1: We talk with an abuse survivor named Violetta. And Violetta was in a relationship with a cunning narcissist that knew exactly how to control her. It's a story of ever changing manipulation tactics, proving yourself, and fraud. others perspectives it is that simple and now before we get to our episode with violetta i just want to thank everyone in the narcissist apocalypse community for listening to the show and sharing your thoughts by email instagram twitter and facebook also a reminder if you have not left us a review on whatever podcast service you use spotify apple google stitcher castbox etc etc please leave us a five-star written review as it helps out the show when it comes to rankings. Now, if you haven't been to our website recently, please do go there if you want to be part of our show. Our website is NarcissistApocalypse.com. At the top of the page, there is a button there that says uh, guest form. Be a guest on our show. Click that button. And you'll get to a guest form, you fill it out, and we will start the process from there. But another way to be part of our show is to be on our Letters to Our Narcissist compilation episode. And on the side of the page there, you'll see a button that says Send Voicemail at NarcissistApocalypse.com. You click on that button. That button takes you to a recorder. You can record up to five minutes if you need more than that. Record twice, three times. And we are collecting Letters to our Narcissist for our compilation episode, Volume 4. And if you do not want to actually read your letter yourself, you can send us your letter at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. And myself or my old pal, Melissa, will read your letter for you. But what else is going on at NarcissistApocalypse.com? Well, we are now offering high-conflict parenting courses, and that can be found at NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. Yes, we have partnered with an online parenting company called Online Parenting, and the courses they have created are, are mostly created by a man named Bill Eddy. And if you've listened to our episode last year with a divorce lawyer named Helen, you'll know that Bill Eddy is an expert in dealing with these individuals in court, and he's now helped create many parenting courses to help you through divorce and to help support your children too. These courses are the most widely recognized courses by family courts across the country. So if you want to support the show and are looking for guidance too, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses and what else do we have here before we start the show before we start the show our patreon everyone we have a patreon if you want to help support the show even more than you already do go to our patreon at patreon.com slash narcissist apocalypse on there we have episodes that never never made it to air follow-up episodes with former guests and much much more we posted this week uh kind of an episode on there we'll eventually be making into a main roster a main focus episode and we are the people on the patreon are going to help us um come up with ideas of how to form that episode and we'll be starting a campaign to help someone uh in the future with an issue that they are having and we'll be doing a a letter writing campaign uh, to help these people out um and what else do we have here what else I think I'm just going to uh, almost get out of my way and your way. I have one last thing to say. There are a little bit of sound issues in this episode, so please for, forgive us. There was uh, some pops and things that I, I couldn't get out from the cell signal that was going on and so i please i i do apologize uh, i profusely i am right now so i hopefully you can make it the whole way through i think it might be a lot better than i think i've just been listening to this episode a lot while doing the editing and now um that's it i'm gonna get out of my way and your way here is my episode and interview with violetta Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. This week with me, I have Violetta. How are you?
0: I'm doing really well, thanks. How are you?
1: I am doing well. We just had a storm here. We needed it because it was blazing hot and the humidity was off of a chart And I am now talking to you. Unfortunately, we are talking to each other, but you're here with me today. I'm happy we are going to talk and I'm just going to get out of my way and your way. Violetta, the floor is now yours.
0: Thank you. So uh, just a little background about me, I'm the youngest of six kids um, and it's a mixed family in the sense that both of my parents were married and had children before and the only one they had together. And my parents divorced at four, but the divorce wasn't problematic for me. Um, that was just my life. So I lived with my mom Monday through Friday. My grandmother picked me up, loved my grandmother, and we spent time with my dad. Um, but my mother, although she provided for me physically and financially, Um, was just very emotionally distant and cold. Um, but I did get some of the love and the affection that I was looking for, um, at home with my, with my grandmother. So that was really great. Um, but my mom was also just very emotionally abusive. Everything was kind of always about her and I was very much always trying to please her and, and make her love me. Um, and although that sounds a little bit negative, it had some positives in my life. I'm an overachiever. So whatever I did, I had to be the best at it, um, always made a lot of friends, really, really outgoing. Um, and I never really internalized it. But, I, but what I realized I did was I was coping with it by excelling and, and never really dealing with it. Um, but it, it didn't really seem to be much of a problem um, until I met my narcissist. <laughs> um, and I actually met him when I was at the gym. I had just transferred to the gym near my office because I had moved. And I was on the Stairmaster, and he immediately walked up to me. Um, he was a trainer at the gym. And I looked down at him, and his physical perfection, and even down to the haircut, and it actually really put me off. And he immediately set off my intuition, like, this is not somebody to get involved with. And... But I entertained the conversation very briefly and, um, kind of just dismissed them politely because I wanted to finish my workout on the Stairmaster. It's not really something I can do and, and talk at the same time. Um, but he found me again at the gym the same, the same day, the same workout and talked to me a little bit and kind of found him arrogant. Um, wasn't really the kind of person I'd be interested in, although he was very interested in me and, just tried to brush him off, but he was so insistent on getting my number. I thought, if that will get him to leave me alone, I'll give it to him with the caveat that I'm not looking to date anyone or to be with anyone or, or anything like that. Um, at the best I could offer, like should things go that way is that we could have a platonic friendship. Um, and he, he took that and we didn't really talk too much at first. Um, it was just sporadically. He would always stop over and say hello at the gym, um, but again, I, I I wasn't really into him in in that type of way. But he was extremely extremely persistent, and so one day he actually was walking me home from the gym because I worked and lived in a very small like radius of this little area, and we had this conversation. And he opened up to me and he started telling me all of these things um, about his hopes, his dreams, his aspirations. And a lot of those mirrored mine or things that I had already accomplished or things that I was working on. And it was on that walk that I remember there was just that moment where I was like, okay, maybe he's not so bad. Maybe it wasn't fair of me to judge this book by the the cover. And maybe I was biased in just automatically judging him by the way that he looked and, and alleged intuition I had about him. But even so, we just engaged sporadically, completely platonically. Um, And so one night he invited me out to a concert. And this was probably the first big red flag that I ignored, but we're still just friends. But he specifically told me what he imagined me wearing um, and had very specific ideas. And I was really put off by that. I'd never had someone tell me what they wanted me to dress, how they wanted me to look. And I couldn't help but notice that it was nothing like the way I generally presented myself. And so I actually lied. I told him I had a migraine, a migraine sufferer. And, um, that was that. And, um, he was, he was pretty upset that I didn't, I didn't want to go with him. And he had all these great ideas about how wonderful the night would go. But again, he kind of just faded into the background But I still see him at the gym. And he just kind of grew on me bit by bit, just kind of broke down my walls a little bit. Um, And one day um, I thought, you know what? I could could give him a shot. and We should always have something casual and everything has to be a relationship. And I knew I was leaving the country the following, you know, in maybe about six or eight months. And so I I wasn't super concerned about kind of what was going to happen. And so... I called him one night and I said, oh, do you want to go to Shake Shack with me? I I really wanted a a Shack Burger. And he's like, yeah, I'll come scoop you. We'll go. It'll be great. Um, And so we just went and had Shake Shack. He came back over. One thing led to another. We spent the night together. And then after that, we were just kind of inseparable.
1: So I have, uh, I guess, a couple questions maybe more Um, when Mm -hmm. it comes to uh, his uh, future plans and and what he wanted were you giving hints of any of that before he disclosed that information or was that just really what he wanted himself or at least projected at that time actually
0: as I look back he he just mirrored what I had told him. And so, when I'm passionate about things, the things I love, always they always come up. So, I love traveling. When he said, oh, I really want to travel. Um, I just got my passport. I'm learning Spanish. I speak Spanish as a second language.
1: So, at this point in your relationship, you know, the mirroring happens and you're giving him a chance. He's growing on you. Um was there any specific point where you were kind of, where you said like I'm hooked or that you believed like um he had a hold on you at the beginning?
0: Uh, yeah. I was initially, I think I was just kind of initially hooked like that night and I, and not that six months, but he was just like so passionate. I'd never felt so like seen and wanted by someone Um because he's just no holds barred. And that was just, that was just a really incredible thing. And then after that, we saw each other every single day. He started FaceTiming me constantly. I hardly ever used FaceTime. And he'd want to be on FaceTime with me even when I'm at my office. So luckily I had my own office. He'd be propped up on my desk. And I would, even if we weren't talking, even if he was working with clients or something, he wanted to be there. And that was probably the first time. I, I was pretty uncomfortable with that, actually. I didn't really enjoy that. That's not my style. Um, but he was so insistent, he would get very offended. Oh, are you trying to hide me? Oh, you don't want to see me? Well, what does it matter if, if you're you're doing work anyway? I'm not really interrupting you, you know? Um, but then that became normal. And so it just became a regular part of my day that I was going to, if I wasn't with you, I'd be on FaceTime with you. Um, and then, you know, he'd come over um, a lot of nights of the week. He At that point, he lived at home with his dad. so. Um, that wasn't an option for me to go over there, um, but just very attentive, always wanted to spend time with me, was always available to me, always wanted me to meet his coworkers, come over to the office, and so um, it happened really, really, really quickly because it was just so intense.
1: So and, when um, when, we he, have- when he would do those, uh, wanting to FaceTime and everything early on, and and you know your hands probably went up. Okay, this is not normal. At a at a certain point, did you say um, he just loves me or something along those lines? Like the, you're mistaking um, control for love.
0: That's exactly that's exactly what was happening, and. Yeah. And so I just thought it's it's nice for someone to love you this much and to be this crazy about you. Um, isn't this what everybody wants? So, you know, we, he got me hooked and then we started spending all of this time together. Um, and in some ways it was, it was really wonderful. It was different than anyone else that ever did. He was also very different than me, just very outgoing. Um, and it was actually kind of really wonderful at first. And, um, I, looking back we had some really just wonderfully sweet and like romantic moments and um and out of nowhere which I thought was really bizarre because he is a, he didn't really make enough money um to just whisk someone off on a trip but he out of nowhere said let's go to this um all inclusive in Mexico and I said you know I actually recently just went it's not really something I'm I'm looking to do and um, I'm actually going to be traveling a lot next year, so that's fine. But he, um, said, well, that's kind of disappointing, but I, I bought us a trip to Mexico and I thought, wow, that's, that's cool. And, and you don't have a lot of money. And so this is a, this is a really big deal. Like here's somebody who is investing whatever they have to, to try to take me to go do something really fun. And, um, even though he didn't consult with me about the date, um, I still went ahead and went, and I actually put my job in uh, in jeopardy by agreeing to go. Um, it was a time of the year that's really busy. I was the only person in my function, and I reported directly to the CFO, so I was doing important role. Um, and so I actually had to, like, lie at work in order to get that time off, um, in order to go, because I thought, I, there is no way that I can not go because he spent all of this money, and I don't want him to be out this money, and... You know, he doesn't really have as much, and I also don't want to hurt his pride. I know there's a little bit of an issue because I, like, I make a lot more, and that's actually uh, kind of the beginning of where things started to fall apart. And at first, it seemed like it's magical. We had this one, it was the first night that we were there, and we both got dressed up, and we're eating at this fancy restaurant in the resort, and he's sitting at the table, and he's looking across from me, and I thought, I can see the rest of my life here, and um, I can see myself marrying this person. I can see myself having kids with this person. And I can see myself traveling around the world and having adventures with, the per- with this person. Because that's the real, that is a really important thing to me. And so we're having a nice time. Um, the next day, we go on a, a, like a catamaran cruise or something like that. And when we get back to the hotel, um, we get some calls. And so they call, and they say that um, there's been an issue with the payment. And I'm looking at him like, wait, what? You know, here we are. We're we're in Mexico. It was an all-inclusive package, including the flight. So then I'm like, wait, what's going on here? This is this is kind of out of nowhere. And he's on the phone with them, and he's acting confused, and he's rereading his card number and having a conversation with them. And I'm very type A, so I'm kind of concerned, and I'm thinking we need to fix this. And one of the issues in a foreign country, uh, looking back, really calm about it. Um, and I thought that was weird. So I got on the phone with them and I, I just wanted to understand and I wanted to help him. And, um, essentially what they were saying is that the, you know, the credit card was, um, like was rejected and, um, and, you know, could he give another card? And he's like, well, no, they took the money out of my account. And so it's not there. Um, I thought, oh my God, like, this is, this is, this is awful. This is terrible. Um, and I said, okay, well, um, maybe we should just leave. Like I'll put us up in a, in a different, uh, hotel, like by the airport and I'll, we'll fly back the next day because something didn't fit right with me. I could have easily just covered the resort, but there was something off and I didn't want to be there anymore. Um, and then I was really
1: confused. So 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 what, what does that mean that their, their money was taken out of the account? It's not there.
0: Right, and so he's trying to tell me that he can't go ahead and just give them his card and pay for it because what he is saying is that the third party he went through did take the money out of his account, like, through the card. Okay. And then the hotel saying they didn't get paid. So he's trying to act like something. he's being, like, victimized here or something. Okay. But what was very off to me is anyone else who was experiencing that would be somewhat panicked. They'd be worried. They'd be on the phone with the credit card or the bank and the company they went through and trying to figure this out. And so that's why I said, you know what, I just, I'm just going to get us another place and we'll leave tomorrow. And so we're at this little rundown hotel near the airport in Cancun and things just feel off. And and I'm talking to him and I just say, this doesn't make sense to me. I I don't understand. Um, And I had already purchased the flight, both of our flights for the next day and whatever else. And that's when he comes and he tells me that he used credit card fraud to buy our trip. And so I was Devastated. I was like, how could you, could you put me at risk like this? You use, you know, my name is on one of the tickets. My name is on, you know, the the reservation for the hotel. This is really irresponsible. I like, especially where I'm at in my career, I can't have any of this going on. I travel a lot. I don't want to be flagged. I just don't want any issues. Um, and he told me it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, he had done these kind of before I should be grateful. Um, why didn't you want to just stay in Cancun and have a good time anyway? We could have just gotten gone somewhere else. He had other credit card numbers that he could have used. And my head is spinning. And at this point, I think I'm never going to talk to him again after this. Um, but I'm just going to stay cool in this in this hotel. I'm not going to make a big scene because now I don't know what you're capable of, and now I'm concerned. So the next day, you know, we're at the airport and he goes, God, I can't believe you. We should have just stayed, but you're really unreasonable. It's not that big of a deal. And I said, if it wasn't that big of a deal, then you would have just come out and told me how you got these tickets. And you also told me as I stressed out about my job and actually like got into a little bit of trouble at my job, um, for taking this time off. Um, even though I was dishonest about it, they still didn't appreciate that I had to go, even though there was allegedly some type of emergency, um, And you just would have been honest about it. And you also would have allowed me to make the best decision for myself and not put my career at risk. Um, And so once we got back to the States, I I told him it was over. And I didn't want to see him anymore. Um, And I I just, I didn't want to be involved with uh, someone who would put me at risk, like in their criminal behavior. And I'd like to tell you that's where it ended, but we wouldn't be on the call if that were the case. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so, you know, at this point, yeah. For people listening, you know, he it, a big part of him. It, it seems, it, and I'm sure for everyone, is persistence. Is, like, is that kind of like a, a big thing? Like the persistence uh, of him eventually got you to. Uh, go on a date with him. his persistence is now going to have you hoovered back uh, um,
0: that 's exactly and, it
1: and that 's what i like to tell people when they're if they feel shame or guilt about what goes on in uh their relationship with their narcissist is that when someone is so persistent it doesn 't matter what background you are from, what economical situa- economic situation you are in and you could be this you know you could be uh, a mensa uh, type person, and for you you know you 're you know doing very well you 're an achiever, but when someone is persistent it doesn 't matter who you are, persistence pays off and when it comes to a an, a person who 's up to no good. It's gonna, it's gonna ruin uh, someone's life. And for you, you're now in the middle of it, and you just don't know it yet.
0: Exactly. Actually, he's a really good salesperson, and one of the things he said is, I forget what the percentage is, but a certain percentage of yeses originally start out as noes. And so, narcissists are really good. Like the no to them is just a, a temporary. It's just temporary.
1: Unfulfilled yes, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, an unfulfilled yes. That's, oh, that's an interesting yeah. <laughs> little two words put together right there. Um, so I interrupted so. again. I apologize. Continue.
0: So, um, and this is actually where things went off, really went off the rails, um, because I had broken up with him. Um, and narcissists do not think that very well. And so then he really that was showing up at my house every day with flowers. Um, all of these long messages about how sorry he is, that he would never put me in that position. He really just wanted to impress me. Um, I'm well-traveled. I'm educated. I have a great job, all of these other things. And I bought it. I also bought it a little bit, too, because I had always dated really kind of wonderful people overall who, who met me. Always kind of like left me better off than I was, and I don't mean they just care for you and they're good to you, and and not everything has to be messed. And I thought maybe this is my turn to be that for somebody else um, because I always kind of avoided people who seemed like they would have have too much to deal with or or, or weren't actively like kind of working on themselves or, or in a different place. And I and so I was like, let me let me be that person to help him. And so when he hoovered me back in. That's when things got bad, and he he started treating me really poorly. I guess we're on to the, the evaluation stage yeah, and so one of the so one of the first things that happened is um he was he was over at my house, and um he me he asked me to like grab something um or to grab his phone, and when I did that. Like a message had popped up, and when it opened, like it's a nude picture of a woman and i I was like, "Come on, are you serious right now and um and then I started scrolling, and then I saw that there was like there's other all these conversations in his phone in which he is dealing with other women, and I had no idea um and I couldn't imagine like when he had time to do this because he was always kind of around me or on facetime with me and so i kind of lose it because i'm like what what are you doing i this this doesn't make any sense like why would you do these things with me and all this effort forward when you're doing this and he was like are you going through my phone i was like it literally just popped up when you asked me to grab it and i was like and why don't you have you know your message where your stuff that you can't see your things like it really popped up the phone wasn't like unlocked at first. And then I opened it and scrolled. and um, he said, it's it's nothing. I'm not doing anything with these, with these women, but you know, I'm an alpha male We're hunters. And he's like, I really just like the chase just to see if they'd be interested and that's it. He's like, but I promise you, I haven't met up with any, any of them. When would I have had time to meet up with them? And I said, this is, this is ridiculous. But at this point I am, I am hooked is like a drug at this point I know he's not someone I should be dealing with but I still want to Um, and I'm also still thinking that I have the safety net of the fact that I'm going to leave as though distance between us was going to be helpful and he convinced me that there was nothing to it and that he would stop engaging with them and that would be that and I I don't believe that to be true and I found out later that that's not true but even more disturbing to me was how his behavior towards me changed. So I'd never had anyone speak to me so disrespectfully in my life. I had never been around someone who was so misogynistic and chauvinistic. He expected me to essentially all of a sudden like do wife things for him and cook and clean and bring him meals and send him food. Um, And he just really, really switched it on me. And I couldn't understand what was happening. And part of me couldn't believe that this was real and that people like this Existed, and so it, it just turned into constantly being negative. Where I was starting to feel really bad about myself, and I I felt like I needed to change the way that I dressed, and I needed to wear more makeup, and I needed to be more feminine, and I just needed to be all of these things that that he kept saying that that I wasn't. And I bought it. I bought it, and I thought. You know what? Maybe I'm not doing a good job of like being a supportive girlfriend. You know, I really don't do some of the things he's talking about. Maybe I should do these things. Maybe if I do these things, like he'll treat me better and things will go back to the way that they were. And so I attempted to do those things and, um, and it didn't. It was just constantly, um, us breaking up and getting back together and breaking up and getting back together and, um, to really, to, two really awful things happened. Um, the first was um, because of my migraines and my age, like I'm not supposed to take um, hormonal birth control. Um, and he actively attempted to to get me pregnant. Um, and when I talked to him about it, he was like, well, it's a complete accident and nothing even happened and whatever else. And why are you making such a big deal about it? And I was like, well, we need to go to CBS and get plan B. And I'm very, very nervous and I'm very upset. And we're in the store, and he's making jokes, I mean, he's drawing all this attention to us, and I can't believe this. And I'm like, this is so disrespectful. Um, And I still kept dealing with him. I I can't believe this. Um, And then he had hernia surgery, and I took care of him. So I drove him to the hospital. I took care of him afterwards. He was staying over at my house, and I was tired. I was tired because I'm working all day. I come back. I'm helping you. I'm cleaning up after you. You're so hurt. You can't do anything. And um, one night, a few days after his surgery, I'm tired. I fall asleep. I think he wanted to have sex. And I wake up to him putting on his clothes to leave. Um, And he's still limping around a bit. And I'm like, wait, what are you doing? I'm so confused. He's like, I'm leaving. And he was just so nasty about it. And he's like, well, if you're not going to do these things for me, like I've got people on my phone that will. And he left my house like three o'clock in the morning on a work night, just left me there sobbing. Like I invested all this time and energy to help you with this. Even though I, I wasn't sure that that it was my role to have to like take you in and to do all these things for your surgery. Um, and then he wouldn't answer any of my calls and then he turned off his phone. Um, and then he doesn't pop back up until the next day, um, late in the afternoon. And he's like, You know I didn't actually do anything or go with a girl. I was just mad at you and I just went and met up with a guy's friend and we walked around Maryland Live Casino and it wasn't a it wasn't a thing. And I thought, This this is ridiculous. This is madness. I can't have any part of this. I was like, you know what? You're very disruptive. I didn't get any sleep I'm like I'm not focused at all on work today. I have a very important job where attention to detail matters. And, um, and my friends were livid. My friends weren't a fan of his to begin with. And now they're on an active campaign of, like, do not deal with this person. What is wrong with you? Um, and they were getting really aggressive about it. And, um, but I still wasn't ready to be done. And when he said, you know, I was just around the, you know, going to the casino or doing this. I wanted to believe him and so I I just made my mind like make rationalizations for it and took him back um and
1: So what were some know, of those rationalizations?
0: It, well one you know what like he's not like you know, he just had a hernia, her, hernia surgery and he's not, like, all that physically active and he can, like, barely really do anything like that physically anyway. And it, it took all these modifications. So did he really, is that really what went and happened? And, like, is there a woman that was just going to, like, let him, like, hobble on over in the middle of the night to, you know, to go do this? Like, I just was just thinking, I just made up anything I needed to do to say, like, he didn't do that. And he was also, at this point, I realized, very reactive, like, and vindictive. And so I thought, he would just, like, leave and not do anything just to make me think he did, like, ruin my day. Like, that didn't surprise me. Um, and so that's why I thought because for him, whether he did anything or not, he just needed me to believe that he was doing it. Because he just, the end point was just to hurt me and to control me. But then I thought, I just need to do more. Because he's um, first generation, and I don't want to say where he's from because I want to give it away or, like, make anyone think anything, but their culture is a lot more patriarchal, um, and like women have very specific roles. And I'm not that kind of woman, and so I thought I—I I think it was more of those things where I was thinking that um, I was making excuses and saying because I'm not um, in a more like traditional woman who kind of caters to her man and is going to cook food, is going to do all these things, is going to be more submissive and that sort of thing. I felt like I had to compensate for those type of things. And that's why certain things were happening because I wasn't his ideal.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. And you're acting now, like, were you saying to yourself, like, this isn't me, who is this doing this? Or are you in a, such a fog of what has been created um, that that's not even questioned in your mind yet?
0: I think at that point, I'm just, I'm just in a fog. I know it, I know it's not right, but I so much want that this person that I started to, to be okay with shifting who I was and how I saw myself to fit them better. And so I actually started doing certain things. If I, I would send him Uber Eats, you know, just so he had a meal and he could say like, what's what my girlfriend did for me? Or like I would, you know, like come over and I'll cook something for you, or I'll do this for you, just to, to show that like I could do those things if I if I wanted. Um, but but then I did start to realize that you know this wasn't who I was, and it's not who I wanted to, to be. And again, I, I had this false sense of security. Well, I'm leaving the country, and at this point, I was going to leave the country in about two months, uh, for four months. So I thought, you know what, I'll be okay, and the distance from this person like, will be really helpful. And since I'm doing something I've dreamt about for the next four months, like, that's where my focus is going to be. And um, that was really naive of me um, because I went overseas and he came to visit and he was immediately mad at me that I didn't pick him up from the airport. So we're in a major European city. I don't have a car. And so it didn't make sense for me to wake up at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning to go get you at the airport to bring you back in an Uber. It just seemed impractical. And so I said, hey, like, this is my apartment address I had. I was like, and I'll have, you know, little little dessert from the, or you know, breakfast pastries from this country and some coffee for you when you get here. And from the moment he got there, things were so off. And um, things fell apart the next. Day. So um, we went to dinner with a bunch of people in this group that I was traveling with, and he immediately took issue with both my interaction with men and women. So, oh, you hugged that girl, like, a little long. Like, are you guys having a sex? I'm like, are you, are you kidding? You know, I don't like how close you are walking to that man. Like, you shouldn't be walking to men, close to men that aren't me and, like, laughing in their face like that at their jokes. So I'm thinking are are you Are you serious right now? I invited you into this, this dynamic, which honestly I didn't think that I should have, and I knew I shouldn't have, but I did anyway. My friends and family warned me against it. I sold another two months of traveling with these people um but he but he he was only saying that' stuff to me where I could hear and then um we went to a little cute little speakeasy afterwards. He wouldn't even have a drink. he sat on his phone. And then just got up in the like five minutes within five minutes and said I'm leaving, like text me when you get back to the apartment and just leaves me there and just, embarrassed with me in front of my friends. And thought, I thought, this is this is actually it. Like we're we're done for real time. And I go back to the apartment, I ask him to come, we have this full conversation. He cries, he tells me about how you know, talking about how his mom dying at sixteen has really affected him and his dad you know, not believing in him and thinking he's a loser. And just, you know, all of these things like coming up and he's crying to me and like clinging into my chest and, and please, and I'm so sorry. And I said, no, you just need to go. Like, I need you out of my life. And those things, I'm sorry, those things happened to you, but I, I can't live like this. Like, why do you behave this way? And I kicked him out. And his whole joke is to say I kicked him out of a whole country. Um, And then, of course, I got Hoovered, and then I hopped over the next country he was in to go visit him, which was one of my dream countries and dream cities.
1: How did he hear Hoover you back this time?
0: He Hoovered me back because... I felt like I was being a monster because he opened up to me and told me all these things and cried to me, and I still pushed him away. Because in that moment, so when I did that, I saw the truth, but then because I had been gaslighted and so manipulated after he left and I sat there by myself, I thought, I made a huge mistake
1: was was that the first time he used his past or uh the guilt of his past as a tactic
0: he had done it like once or twice before um but never to that level um because he was very very macho so i ne like he had never just turned on the waterworks like that before um and i was shocked
1: And do you feel that if he used the previous tactics that he used to Hoover you back, those wouldn't have worked, but his plan of attack here was to switch the manipulation Hoover tactic and the constant changing is what kept on bringing you back because it was a shifting. It was always shifting.
0: Yeah, he was extremely skilled. And so, uh, and he even told me later that, um, he had studied me a lot. Like, he knew where my weak points were. But um, a lot of kind of the day-to-day disrespect and things that he was doing were, was, like, testing and, and trying things out. So that was actually really disturbing to hear later. But, yeah, and he also said I wasn't an easy person to do this stuff with, and that was actually part of the fun for him.
1: Wow. Wow. And we'll get
0: to that okay. Yeah, okay. we'll get to
1: that
0: conversation. Okay, okay. <laughs> but, uh, Yeah, and so I I hop over to see him, and we're walking around the city I've been dying to go to that I haven't been to yet. And he had already been there, and um, an ex of mine texted me, who's who's just a really good friend, Um, and nothing going on there, married, Um, just to see how my trip was going. And he's like, oh, is that an ex of yours? And grabs my phone. And I'm like, whatever, I, I don't have anything to hide. And I said, well... Give me your phone because he was on it. And so I snatched his phone, right, just to see what he would do. And he lost it. And like, and so I I was like, no, no, I was like, and he didn't want me to look through his phone. And I was like, no, no, it's only fair. Like, you just rolled through my WhatsApp. Why can't I do that for yours? And I said, you know what? That's fine. I, I shouldn't have come. I'm just going to go back to the Airbnb. I'll get my stuff. I'm, at this point, I literally, I'm ashamed of myself. I'm ashamed of my behavior. I'm embarrassed. So, like, I'm still entertaining this. But I did a quick scroll on his WhatsApp, like right in front of him as he's in mine. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, at this point, he had already asked, we're in couples counseling online that he's paying for because he wanted us to get better, but he's, he's cheating on me. Like with all of these different people. And so at that point, I'm just like, I, you know, grab my stuff and um, I, I go to leave. And, um, and so he's like, I want the keys to Airbnb. And I said, no, the Airbnb's in my name. I'm paying for it. I, You don't get to have the keys. I said, you can come back and get your stuff out when you're ready and you can go and go stay in a hostel. I don't care. He chases me. In the city, I was like, I won't give you the keys because he tried to rip my backpack off. So I ran. So I'm running through the streets of the city. He is much faster, much bigger, much stronger. And he holds me up against a building. And I'm screaming because I don't know what he's going to do. And he's hurting me. Like, he's, he's hurting me and he's intimidating me and he's trying to rip my backpack off me. And these strangers come up and they're yelling at him in another language and I take off. And I go to the Airbnb Um, and I pack up all this stuff that I put it by the door. So when he comes, like he can just take it and go. But when he comes in, or when he, when I open the door to slide his stuff out, he shoves into the Airbnb. And so I run and I run outside and I'm trying to like get the outside balcony because there's stairs to go on the side. And he takes me and he holds me down on the ground. And he was like, you're mine. I don't know why you think you can just leave me like this. And you're going to embarrass me in the middle of this city like this. And I'm trying to, like, fight to get away. And he's just holding me in place. And I'm really struggling, but I'm not getting anywhere. And I'm actually, like, starting to hyperventilate. And um, he goes, just say I give up. And I'll let go of you. And I I just stopped for a moment. And I thought, this, this is thick and twisted. And I was like, there's power in words. And the fact that you want to hold me down and make me say I give up to let me go is sick. And so I said to myself, we're going to say it, but we're done. I was like, this can't continue. And this is really twisted. And uh, so I said, I give up. And he let me go. And then um, I went and I slept on this couch. If I woke up, I would wake up if he came near me and I'd move somewhere else. And then the next day I packed up my stuff and I I went to the city I was staying in and I blocked him. And I didn't want to have anything to do with him. And I'm very proud of myself, but not really because I only kept him blocked for maybe three months. (laughs) And when I got back to the U.S., um, we reconnected. But at that point, he had moved across the country. So I'm on the East Coast, he's on the West Coast, and um, I thought, you know, we've had some time, you know, we've had some time apart, maybe he's changed or he's grown, he never said any of that to me, this is stuff I was hoping for, because I wasn't quite done, and whenever I would look at other people, or think, or be interested in other people, if they weren't like him, I I wasn't interested, and so um, we spoke for a couple months, um, and I ended up going out to see him. Um,
1: Have you told your friends what had happened on the trip and if you did um, uh, after the fact you probably uh, well did, did you tell them what was uh, what happened on the trip?
0: I did tell my friends what happened on the trip. Um, they were horrified and that was one of those things where they please please tell me this is the end this is you're done. And I said I've blocked him I'm done. I still do think about him constantly. I I feel a bit like an addict. Like, I'm not engaging. Like, I'm not, you know, using, but that's all I want to do. Um, But but no, like, there's no point in going back. This person has cheated on me. They ruined part of this dream trip that I had. They've been using me. I can't... At this point now, I'm like, they've actually been physical with me. Um, And I just didn't want any part of it. And intellectually, I understood that. Um, But when I... Reached back out to him. I didn't tell any of my friends or my family. Yeah. I kept that to myself, and I was very ashamed, and I was and I felt very isolated. Um, and so here I am. Taking, I took taking some trips to go see him, and I'm lying to people I love and care about for no for, for no reason. And I'm not a liar, so I thought I and I constantly compromised my integrity for this person. I turned into someone I didn't recognize, and I was actually really you know and and that only made me an easier target for him um but then we kind of hit the the final straw of everything and, and through this there's so much to talk about i mean it was constant cheating the entire time but the, the real final straw the final final straw um the camel that broke the, the straw that broke the camel's back is i was leaving the country again um for on january 29th or t- and I was going to be gone for 13 months and I wouldn't step back on who I spoiled. And so um, he had a business associate who said, you know, what, he shouldn't be alone for like, the Christmas holiday. Like, will you come out here? For, like, we'll take care of your flight or whatever else. Because the one thing I did say to him is that I always put the bill for everything. I'm just getting sick of it. You know, you always want me to come and see you. And I always have to like. I pay for the flight. And then mysteriously, when I get there, I'm paying for everything that we do. And I, I, it's not fair. It's not okay. Um, and so his business associate is like, I'll go ahead and take care of your flight. And I said, I don't trust anyone taking care of my flight because I don't know if it's going to be legit. And he goes, what does this mean? So his business associate has no idea about him. And he goes, I'm just going to put it on, like, my actual card. He's like, I don't know what you think is going on. It's, it's fine. And so he sends it to me. And everything matches up as I go. Um, And so I get there. um, Like we eat some lunch, I shower, we get ready, and we go to someone's house. This is Christmas Eve, a business associate's house. And so it is me and him. um, It's a husband and wife's house that we're at. They have two girls, and then there's two other men there. And so we're actually having a nice time, a really great time. All of his best characters are on display, how intelligent he can be, how charming. I'm teaching like these little girls how to play some songs on the piano, little simple songs. And it just, it felt wonderful. And I'm having these in-depth conversations with these other people that are there. Um, but as the night went on, everyone starts getting really drunk. Um, and I, I don't really drink. I'm not much of a drinker. Um, and so I'm actually like, don't hold sober. And so, but the, the men in the kitchen start getting a little like rowdy. And one of them wants to dance with me. And I'm like, no, I, I really don't want to dance with you. Um, and I, they reminded me of like, the men, like some grown men in my past when I was a little girl who just really like skewed me out or weren't appropriate with me or, or I'd been like saved from situations with them. So I was triggered and a little nervous. I didn't know what to do. And this man is chasing me around the kitchen trying to get me to dance with him. And I'm thinking, hey, where is he? Like where where's my my ex at this point? Like, he wouldn't tolerate this kind of stuff. He's outside watching. And what I find out later is he's getting mad at me. So, you know, the guy stops, another guy tells him to stop, and we leave. And as we're in the car, he's like, Oh, should I get you so and so's number? He's like, Oh, it looks like you really like them. And I said Yeah, they were getting really inappropriate You work with these men, and I didn't know exactly how to handle this, so I just kept maneuvering and staying away from them, Um, and I was really hoping that you were going to come and do something, Um, and he's like, what did you want me to do? You should never put yourself in that situation, laughing in these men's faces, and blanked it on me, and I said, this is really unfair, and this is not okay, because I was like, you know I've had some trauma as a child, and they reminded me of that, and so I froze, and I didn't know what to do. Um, and he turns around and he screams at me and I've never been framed at by a grown man. And he's, like I said, six, one, maybe like two tens, like muscle. Like I'm terrified and I'm trying to make myself as small as I can in the front seat because I don't know what's going to happen. And he's driving really erratically up to something he would do if I was in the car with him and he was mad at me to make me really scared. And so I am traumatized and I go, this is actually, I think this is going to be it. Because this is not okay. You just questioned my childhood trauma. You blamed me for the bad behavior of these men. You clearly wanted to get mad as you watched them do this, you know, this whole thing. And um, we get back to his apartment. He was in a garden-style apartment. So we're, we're outside heading to the stairs to lead to his door. Um, and I turned around and I looked at him because he had a really big fear of abandonment. Like, he always thought someone was going to leave him. In fact, that's why he told me he treated me the way he did. Because if things were always good, I would get bored and I would leave, which I think is ridiculous. I turned around looked at him and I said, I know I made a promise that no matter what happened, I wouldn't abandon you. Not that I would be his girlfriend forever, but I would remain like a friend or someone in his life. But I told him, I said, I won't do that. And I was like, after I leave here, I never want anything to do with you again. This, this happened in a split second. His whole body language changed, and he turned around so quickly and took me by a skirt and had me up against the wall. And I thought, and this is all happening so quickly, and he—he he the way he looked at me, I was like, he lost control. Somebody who, all of his stuff that he was doing to me was still very controlled, like he was in control and pulling the strings there's a moment where he's out of control and I looked at him and I like straightened up my, my neck. And I said, okay, do it. Like show me exactly who I know you to be. And that's when he dropped me and I ran up the stairs and I was like, I just want to get my stuff and I just want to get out. I was like, I will go stay at a hostel. I don't care where I have to stay. We're, we're in a you know tourist area, like city. So like I can find a place to stay that's fine. I don't want anything to do with this. And I was like, if you do anything, I was like, I'm going to call the police. But I was very hesitant to call the police um, because there's, you know, I mean, there's a lot of issues with the police system and how they treat, like, people of color. And so I didn't want to, like, put him at risk by, like, calling the police, even though I I could have probably used it at that point. But he opens up the door, and at this point, he's crying, he's crying, and he's so apologetic, and he's a monster, and he's this. And he's like, I didn't, I didn't even do anything. And then he's trying to say that I hit him. And I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? I never put my hands on you. And I, you know, I didn't mean to, and I didn't really like choke him. he's like, I just was mad at what you said, and I didn't want you to say things like that to me. And he, he's doing all this stuff. And I'm, as he's saying all that stuff, I'm just packing my things to leave. I'm like, I need to go. I, I, I can't be here for this. Why my memory is a little bit foggy on this? Um, some things aren't him. Actually, have been getting foggy, but I decided to stay. I stayed, and I didn't leave that night because I thought, well, he didn't hit me. Um, I I knew what I was doing when I said I, I. You know, I pushed on his abandonment issues. Um, was I somehow like engaging these men in a way that made them think? They, I mean, I was at this point. I've been gaslit the extreme. I'm lying to my friends and my family. Like, I don't even know myself anymore. So, looking back, it's not actually all that surprising that I made these excuses and that I stayed. Mm-hmm. And then I stayed a, a couple more days. Um, and because he was very, you know, he's very, very apologetic about everything. And um,
1: he really seems like he's knowing exactly. What he's doing, what he's pushing, what he's pulling, and he's very aware of all of it. Is that fair?
0: Very, very much so. In fact, I was my friends and my family would tell you I'm extremely brave, confident. I'm, I'm going to be the person to come for you, you know? and so and, and very independent, and actually he was so good at this that he made me every all the strengths I had, he somehow turned them into weaknesses like being independent was a bad thing. Being so educated was a bad thing. You know, it these things somehow made me a bad woman or a bad girlfriend or a bad this. And, um, just really just chipped, chipped, chipped away at me where I didn't recognize myself. And, um, I stayed for a couple more days and, um, a business associate of his who just really, really liked me and, um, wanted me to meet his daughter. Um, she, he thought we would be great friends. Um, the one that bought me the plane ticket reached out to me and said, um, "Hey, I've contacted your ex a couple times. I haven't heard from him, um, but I wanted us all to have sushi before you leave." I said, "Okay." I was like, "Well, this is this is what's going on, and I'll I'll connect. I'll let you know what he says." And so um, I go, "Hey, you know, so and so reached out." What's your schedule? When do you want to go for sushi? And he goes, and he's like, Oh, do so you think it's appropriate for this man just to be reaching out to you on the phone? Are you guys having long conversations? Like, just again, accusing me of somehow cheating with this person or being interested in this person. And, and I thought, okay. And if, if people saw him, like, because he's just so, like, he's just this young lens. Like, whatever person. It didn't matter what this person looked like. It didn't matter what gender anyone was. I was always cheating on him with everyone constantly. It was just very laughable in the sense that people wouldn't think he had such low self-esteem. And, um, and then he wouldn't speak to me after that. And I, and he's treating me really badly. And I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to leave now because you said you were sorry about the things that you, you did. And now you're back to blaming me for it, saying that I invited this behavior. And I was like, I Day here another day. And I told his business associate that um I that we weren't gonna see him. I appreciated um him flying me out here and that I was gonna be flying out the next day. Um I took care of everything and I didn't need anything else, and that was that. And he goes, Oh, is everything okay? And I said, you know, everything's fine. I said, I just have some stuff I have to, you know, get back home to attend to. And that was that. So um, at this point, I'm packing up my stuff. Um, I'm getting ready to like go to some little like hotels by the airport. And I did. I went there and, uh, my stuff and I went. And, uh, he, you know, he didn't care that I was leaving and whatever else. Um, until I'm getting in the Uber and then he's like telling me not to go. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, No, like, no, just, just, no, you can't convince me of this. And I leave. And once he knows that I'm not going to stay, like, then his whole attitude changes it if you leave. Like we're actually really done. Like you'll never hear from me again. And I was like, okay, do you promise? And left. Um, and then I guess this business associate who, Maybe read right between the lines and knew something was weird. Have reached out to him and said, "What's going on? Like, why is she leaving?" Um, he seems to like really like me and really want this relationship to work. Um, he finds out kind of what you know his 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 issue was. Um, not that he put his hands on me, but that he was jealous and upset about. My interactions with people at the party and his business associate, I guess, went up one side of him and down the other and said, you're an insecure idiot. What's wrong with you? She's just, like, being polite. Did you expect her to sit in the corner and stare at the wall? And then I get bombarded with these messages and calls, and I'm not taking any of them. And he's saying certain things that are really apologetic but are not him, like, not in his language, looking back. And um, how he put things together. And then his business associate reaches out and he says, will you just please have a conversation with him? I've talked some sense into him, this, that, and the other. His business associate has no idea that it went to the level that it did. And, um, you know, I took took his call. I listened to what he had to say. Um, And I was like, you know, I still stayed at the hotel that I was at. And I left. Um, and I went back to my, like, my area of the world, and um, we but we still kept in touch. We were still talking. And um, his business associate reached out to me one more time and, was, and said, what's going on? Like, what, like, aren't you trying to, like, get us back together? And at this point, I'm like, listen, he put his hands on me. Um, I don't want any part of this. And he's like, wait, what? And I was like, yes, yeah, put his hands on me. I'm, I'm done with this please don't ever reach out to me again. I'm going to block you as well. Um, And that was the end of kind of his business associate for me. Um, And then I'm just getting ready to, to leave the country. So at this point, oh, and his business associate said, oh my God, that's awful. And he goes, there's a couple other things I want to tell you since that's the case, because I don't want you to get back with this person. And I thought, here is this person that was just advocating for me to stay with with my ex, but because I said, you know, that he had choked me, um, he has a you know he has a daughter and a granddaughter. He didn't want me to be subject to that, and he, rightfully so, was like, maybe thought I would go back because I, you know, I endured all this other disrespect. He doesn't know that, but he's not wrong in thinking I would, and he tells me, you know. He's been seeing a lot of women while he's out here, like a lot of them. And he's, you know, and he's got some that like come over and like they cook for him and they clean for him. He's like juggling all these different women and doing all of these things. And I'm devastated. And not just because, and not, it's not by the cheating, it's that this, I've let this person do all of the worst things to me. And like, and I'm and I'm still so hurt and so like involved that I'm, all, I'm I'm sick to my stomach to hear about all of these women, you know? And, um, I said, you know, I really appreciate you for telling me this. And, um, again, I was like, I don't think you're going to hear from me. Um, and I did, I blocked him after that. I was like, this is weird. And I don't, I've never had a third party like that in my relationship. And so I reached back out to my ex and I said, I want this mystical thing called closure, right? And uh, other people can't give that to you. And I said, will you be honest with me about, like, kind of the, how, how much you've been cheating on me and how many women and whatever else and when did this start and all these other things. And he didn't want to tell me because he thought that we had a chance. And I was like, we don't ever have another chance. I will never, ever be with you. I was like, but if for some reason you want to, you think that you want to be friends with me or if I can even offer you that at some point, you need to tell me what had happened, what really happened. And then he essentially tells me that from pretty early on in the relationship, like, he had been cheating on me constantly um, and it never stopped. Um, and I was disgusted. and I was so hurt. Um, and I said, it's so twisted that, like, you, you were running around. on I me, mean, you were doing all of this. You were treating me this way. You're lying to me, you put your hands on me, like you've put me in at risk of being a criminal. Like this is not okay. Like you're a twisted person. And I'm sobbing. Like I'm sick to my stomach. Like i I felt eviscerated. And um I could I could barely even like see straight and his tone was ridiculous it was just so flat. It was like he was actually annoyed that he hadn't tell me this. That I even cared. He was annoyed by my outpouring of feeling of feelings. I've never had someone who could so easily like hear me cry or even see me cry because I cried in front of him many times and just be so unmoved by it or so quick to say it's my fault or to like fan the flames and make it even worse for me. And uh, and that was that. And then I didn't block him, but he still. Um, but I wasn't engaging with him, and I was just moving forward with my life. At that point, I had. Not that long. I, I had maybe three weeks before I was leaving the country, so I was super busy. I was done at the office, so I didn't have that stuff to do. But to sell all of the stuff in my apartment, I had to sell my car, I, Like, was just finishing up those things. Um, and I realized that my period is late. And I'm like, oh, it's probably just because I'm stressed. It's not that big of a deal. But I felt different. And I go to the pharmacy and... I buy a couple of different boxes and then I proceed to take pregnancy tests and I find out that I'm pregnant and I am mortified. I am mortified because I do not want to subject a child to this person. And there's no way that I wouldn't have to, because one thing that he was really clear about is that he wanted to have a lot of children. And towards the end, he was saying how like, You know, if one woman can't give me the amount of children I want, then I should be able to have children with multiple women. And it's not a big deal. He's like, but it's really important for me to carry on my name and my bloodline. Like, what else do you have in life? Um, So I knew that if I went forward with this, like, this is someone I was going to be tied to the rest of my life. But even worse, like, I would have to subject a child to this, and I won't with that. Um, on top of that i was about to take a job that my job was to travel to a different country every month and um you, you can't be pregnant for that you can't have a child for that this person is a criminal doesn't have a legitimate job um i still think that they're doing legal things to like pay their bills um they've been violent with me um and this is not okay and so i I had to weigh my dreams. i finally attained this dream I'd been working for my entire life, my literal dream job. I'd never wanted anything so much in my entire life. And then I had to balance like this idea of this, this child and what life they would have. And one thing that he told me was, if you ever get pregnant, you have my child. If you ever disappear with my child or keep my child from me, I will kill you. I will have you killed. And he goes, I know people. Who will do that? He goes, so understand that just because I don't in, engage in that kind of criminal behavior. He's like, I know a lot of people that do. And I absolutely believe that he would kill me if I ran off with this child. And two, I know that he knows people like that because he is a criminal. And even though he's doing more, you know, fraudulent stuff where they're like taking money from banks or credit card stuff, he's obviously connected to all of these different types of people. Um, and scared for my life. I was scared for the quality of the life that my child would or wouldn't have. And I knew that I couldn't go through with this pregnancy because so much had already been taken from me. Um, and I didn't have anything left to give. Um, and so I knew that this is what I had to do. And so I made the appointment. I went, I took care of it. And for whatever reason, I felt like I needed to tell him, and I thought it was only, I don't know why. I don't know what my twisted logic was. Maybe it was just an excuse to reach out to him again because I was still in that cycle, and um, he had a lot of choice things to say about me and a lot of judgments, and I'm sure you could imagine what those things are, at like least the most terrible things you could say to somebody who made the choice that I did. Um, and I said, okay, well, that's all I wanted to say to you you know, I'm done. I can understand why you're, you're upset, but I just felt out of integrity that I should tell you. Um, and that was the end of it for me. And as I'm finishing up, it was literally the last day before I'm leaving. So I had the procedure like knocked out, like maybe five days before I had to get on the flight to go to this other continent. And, um, he reaches, he keeps blowing my phone up and he reaches out to me and I finally answer and he's on FaceTime and he has this look in his eye, and this energy is so different, and he's telling me everything I've ever wanted to hear in my entire life. Like, from him, which is, he's a monster, he's this, he's that, he didn't, He's. he understands the error of his ways, he's been selfish, he's been all these things, but all the lies are out of the way, he's told me everything he's done, he we have this fresh weight, um, he wants to sell all of this stuff in his apartment and come travel with me, he's like, I understand that you're not someone that can be led, like that you're a leader, an independent person in yourself. And he's like, I was always thinking about how a woman had to build me up. Maybe I can be the one to build you up. You know, you have a very clear vision and dream and you're successful. He's like, I need to approach the idea of relationship and everything completely differently. Um, and, And I said, I don't know if I believe this. And it's really convenient that you're saying this right now, like with all, like, and you're saying all the right things. And it's literally the day before I'm leaving. And I don't know if it's like my sense of romance from being raised on Disney movies and this idea that, like, love is going to conquer all and, and the idea that people can change, because I do believe that a lot of people can change. But I said, if you, if we do this, if we were to do this, You've blown, and you mess up. You will blow everything. Like, we won't, I won't ever speak to have any contact with you again. At this point, he has no reason to believe this. I say this all the time, and I never go through with it. Um, So we can just, I can reach back out to you again when I think I could have a friendship with you. Or if I give you another chance, just know if you mess up, like, we're done. And whatever promises have been made, whatever connection you think is here is dead. And... So I go about the rest of my day doing things and for whatever else I, I thought, you know, I'm going to give this a go, but this, but this really has to be the last chance. Um, and I also recognize that I wasn't going to be able to be done with him if I didn't think I had exhausted every avenue. And I don't know if that's foolish or what it was, but I left the country and I'm living in this other country and, you know, things went well for a little while. He changed the way he spoke to me. He changed the way he engaged with me. He was consistent. He he was all the things that he hadn't been since the beginning. Um and he wasn't being as obsessive. We didn't have to be in constant contact. He wasn't being jealous or all these other things. And then one night, this is so weird. Um, I just I woke up and I woke up really early and I go, he cheated on me. And um I had a lot to do that day, and my position, I interfaced with people all day and, like, did all these things, like, all around the city we lived in, so I, I wasn't free. But when he finally gets me on FaceTime, he can tell the energy's off, and he goes, what's wrong? And I said, something happened, and I need you to tell me. And he's like, you're crazy. He's—he's he's, You're literally insane. I said, no, I don't know, but, like, I feel something, and I can tell, and he just quickly wanted to get me off the phone, and he did. And then... Um, he calls me when I'm back at my apartment, I'm by myself, and he goes, um, I want to tell you something. I go, oh, God. And he goes, I can't understand how you know. This is this is really uncanny. Like, are you a witch? And I thought, no, absolutely not. I just, I don't know what it is. I just happen to know. And he told me that he had reached out to an ex-girlfriend of his that lived in the city that he's in. Um, and he reached out to her, like, a, maybe a couple of weeks ago or a week, or maybe two weeks ago. And he was, you know, trying to build back up with her because he was about to get evicted from his apartment and he needed a place to stay and he wanted to see what her apartment was like. And if she would still be, if she would be open to him who essentially hoovering her. Right. And he's like, you know, one thing led to another, but he was like, how was I supposed to convince her to like open up her house to me if I didn't sleep with her? I thought this is disgusting and twisted, and I just can't. And so I said, "What is wrong with you? And why wouldn't you ask me for help? Why wouldn't you tell me that you were about to get evicted? But I thought you were selling all of your stuff, to move out of your apartment, you could come travel with me." And so at this point, I just it just blew everything up for me, and I said, "You know what? And I was like, I'm I'm done." I'm really, really done. And then he tried to blame it on me. He tried to say, Well, if you didn't bring up my, like, her, then I wouldn't have done this. And I was like, What are you talking about? He's like, Well, you recently mentioned her. And I said, I mentioned her because we were having a conversation. I was just telling you that I was still having trouble trusting you and that some of the things that you've done, like, still very much impact me. Um, And he did everything he could on that call to, like, fight me um, and get me not to block him. But that's when I did. Um, and we've been... I haven't been in contact with him since. And that was four and a half months ago.
1: Wow. I... Well, first of all, thank goodness you are out of that. And, I mean, he... You know, he's a... he's a, Like, we, we deal with certain types of people on the show... But he's a real criminal in every way. Yeah, in every way, like uh, criminal uh, psychologically. With you, a criminal in the real world. None of his work is on the up and up in any sort of way, and it's just he lives a life of deceit in every way. He does not. He's not honest in any way in his life, and he's constantly frauding and manipulating no matter what it is. Um, People, work. So for you, who has gone through all of this, through the, the the psychology of everything, you are not the same person you were when this began in any way, shape, or form. Where do you begin, and where did you begin on unraveling what had happened to you? Unraveling uh, what has happened to your mind. Where where do you begin to even uh, deal with what has happened?
0: Uh, pretty quickly on I, so I was I happened to be on Instagram, um, and this is even while the relationship was going on, like towards the end. And I saw things about narcissistic personality disorder and narcissistic abuse and. Um, narcissistic sociopath. I actually changed his name in my phone to that because I, wa- I wanted to be reminded of what he was and I really did want to break away. But just reading about, uh, narcissistic behavior was really, really helpful because I understood that I wasn't, that it wasn't me. There was nothing wrong with me. This is something that, that different, these types of people do. And to see what happened to me laid out so clearly, like in these kind of really, uh, vague posts was, Feeling in a way, at first it hurt, because I really wanted to be special, and I didn't want to be just a a source of supply, but it was very clear that I was that, and so as I read, you know, more books, and I, I, it's not like I'm a narcissist expert by any means, but I feel that way sometimes, it was so clear what he was doing to me, and he also even told me, in no uncertain terms before, um, I said, why don't you find somebody who is just, who's the way that you want them to be, or is okay with completely submitting to you and doing whatever you want them to do. There are people like that that exist. And he goes, that's no fun. I'm not attracted to people like that. It's more fun to find somebody that's like strong and essentially to systematically break them down. And sometimes he'd say things like that. And I think he just had a dark sense of humor. I couldn't believe that that kind of person existed, but they do. Um, And so for me, you know, watching those things, reading things, hearing other people's stories. And, um, and a lot of, uh, experts and my therapist said, write down all the things that he had done to you. And I actually really didn't want to do that. I didn't want to spend the time doing that. And I finally did. And it took up five pages front and back. Um, and that was really disturbing. Um, and if I and if I ever feel like I want to go back, which I haven't, um, but if I ever feel a little bit lonely, I'll, like, just crack that thing open, and I won't even do an actual read. I'll just, like, glance over one page, and I think I'm done. And then I also found some really great affirmations, um, and one of my favorite ones is that um, every act of silence is protection against psychological violence, um, and that's why I can't have anything to do with this person because... Unfortunately, narcissists don't get better. And every time you step away from them and then re-engage, they get worse. He got worse every single time. It's like he had to punish me. And that was another thing he did. Whatever slight there was, he would punish me for it. Did I, if I didn't pick up the phone fast enough, there was some type of punishment. And it's not punishment I knew about. It's that he felt he could go cheat on me. He could go do questionable things. He could, like, use me and lie to me. And, and the more, the bigger the imagined flight was, like the worse the punishment was.
1: You no, know, like when you told the the, the beginning of this podcast, the, the story of your trip to Cancun and him admitting, you know, his, um, you know, the fraud that he had committed and you uh, didn't leave, he was able to hoover you back there. I mean, right there in, his mind at that point was, oh, I just did this, everything, all the work that I put in previously to manipulate you and to like all that early work has worked. I was able to do this and now I got away with this. So let's see now what I can do further. And then he took it further. And then again, he's like, all the manipulation work I have done has been able to do this, and I was still able to hoover back and so in you know he's setting this path of uh, of groundwork, and at each one he's pulling it further to see what he can get away with and what he can do because he's a master of what he uh was doing, and um in in the in the most evil ways um he was manipulating you and seeing how far he could test those boundaries every single time and um you know he did that with you and he did that for work i mean this was not a good person in any aspect of their life it's not like he was working a regular job making an honest living i mean this was a despicable terrible human being and unfortunately you met him and got um bamboozled conned and manipulated uh by him and you know to deal with that is not easy that's why i ask like as far as the work goes in the, in the aftermath, like what are the biggest things that you mentally deal with um, and um, to go through your healing
0: process? So in in some ways and, and it's recovered, but at first I just thought, is, is everyone a cheater? Because he always told me that this is what men do. It's not, it's, you know, you just fall in line or just understand certain things. I thought, is Is everyone a cheater like is 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 this is this something i I should expect going forward um can is there a person out there for me that' that's gonna hit the the things that I'm looking for um and any number of things and one thing i I am very clear about is that at least for the next year like I'm remaining single and I mean single not just in the sense that you don't have a significant other I'm not dating I'm not. I'm not going to have any type of, like, physical interaction. I really need to pour all of that love that I was giving to this other person to me, and that's actually been really helpful. So all the nice stuff that I would I would have done for him or all this energy that I put forth, I've been giving that to me, and I didn't realize how much time he took up. I think that's a really big thing that you don't think about. You have all this time that you didn't have before, and that can actually be really dangerous. And I go, well, what are things I want to do? How do I want to spend my time? Um, and so that's been very, very important. Um, but I have no desire to be in a relationship right now. I know I will at some point. That's not the concern. But I do know that I'm still very um, triggered. And I uh, had a conversation um, with this guy, and he was—he there's nothing wrong with him. And I think that he probably liked me a little bit. But I found myself being very combative. Um, in the sense that if I said something, and then he. He wanted to counteract with a conversation or just to have a debate or something. Like I found myself very triggered and I, and then I had to like talk over him and, and redirect and make sure he knew that I was right. And that I didn't appreciate him bringing up this small, um, this this small thing that like 1% of the time it could be true. And he, and that's just the way that this person's brain works and like they weren't trying to be a contrarian. but because my ex had like, just always wanted to play devil's advocate Mm -hmm. even about things he didn't believe in just as through with my head. I was like, I, there are certain types of conversations like with men that show interest in me that I can't even have, because like, I, like, I, I want to like fight them. Like I want to, I want to go on the offensive, you know, um, to make sure that they know that like, I'm not be trifled with. So now within the, you, you've,
1: you started your healing process, you, you know, kind of the direction in, in which you want to go. So for everyone who is listening and what is, I guess, the biggest piece of advice or wisdom that, uh, you have for them, um, based upon what you have gone through?
0: One, you really have to trust yourself, um, and, and understand that, those red flags are real and they're not, you don't, don't push past them. Um, And so just really, it's really self-love and trusting yourself. Um, There's a a quote, and this is not verbatim, but it says, if you really loved yourself, those decisions that you're struggling with wouldn't be a struggle. And so um, that was, that's really key. I wouldn't have had to struggle with so many of these things if I really loved and trusted myself. And so that's where I'm putting my focus and my attention to. And even just in the last, like, few months, um, that's very apparent, um, especially in boundaries that I've had even with some of my friends and and seeing my relationships differently. And this can happen to anyone. It's not because you're weak. It's not because you don't have anything going for you or you're not worthy. In fact, it's because of those very things that you're an appealing target. And not to be ashamed. Um, you, of course you have to pick the right people to share your story with as you're going through it. Um, but don't isolate yourself because that's what they want. Um, and there's nothing to be ashamed of because there are people in this world who know how to manipulate and use you. Um, and if you're not that kind of person, if you have a good heart and you're empathetic, you won't understand that people like that exist. Um, and you're willing to give people the benefit of the doubt.
1: Well, Violetta, I want to thank you for being here with me today and sharing your story. I know your story is going to help a lot of people who have gone through the same thing or are currently in it and um, need guidance on their way out. So thank you for uh, being here. And for everyone else out there who is listening, I hope you have a good night.